podcast from the Cinema Geekly Podcast Network. We're the geeks you deserve and the ones you need right now. You drink one, drink two, drink three Long Island iced teas. But your buddy's worse off and he throws you his car keys. Blue lights are blinking four o'clock in the morning. St. Trooper makes you wish that you'd never been born. Better call Saul, better call Saul. You want to tell the world you're in love with a girl named Fran? So you find an overpass and you say it with a spray paint can. Blue lights start a blinking, those handcuffs click. You know who to call and you better call quick. Saul, Saul, you better call Saul. You fight for your rights when your back's to the wall. Stick it to the man, justice for all. Welcome to Better Talk Saul, Cinema Geekly's Better Call Saul podcast. It's Anthony and Glenn, and we are back to talk more Better Call Saul. Season 6, we're talking about episodes 3 and 4. And Glenn, I have discovered the episode title theme for this final season of Saul. Everything will be blank and blank as I look. Uh, I mean, maybe they're going to change the title sequence for episodes 8 through 13, but so far, episodes 1 through 7 all have word and another word. Um, So, for example, we're starting with episode 3, Rock and Hard Place. Uh, And this was the Nacho Varga story. And I don't... I think I recall seeing... I don't remember if it was you or it may have been you that posted something about how amazing this episode was. Um, or maybe it was Robbie. I could have swore. I saw somebody uh, post something uh, shortly after this What's episode. My last aired. name. Quite possibly. <laughs> yes. Uh, talking about how great uh, this was. So uh, I was unexpected. This is a great episode, but I wasn't. Oh, yeah, quite I ready. did. I think I said what an episode. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, so we catch back up with Nacho, the truck that he was driving in after his escape from the cousins. It breaks down, forcing him to hide in an abandoned oil tanker. The next day, he arrives at a mechanic shop and makes a farewell call to his father. Then calls Gus and offers to surrender if his father is protected. Meanwhile, Jim, Jimmy and Kim plot to obtain a duplicate of Howard's car and vanity license plate, but realize actually obtaining access to his car is more feasible. Prosecutor Suzanne Erickson connects Jimmy to Lalo Salamanca and asks Kim to persuade Jimmy to inform on the Salamancas. Gus arranges for Nacho to be smuggled back into the United States Then Nacho and Mike review the details of Gus's plan to absolve Gus of blame for Lalo's death. Jimmy and Kim work with Huel to obtain duplicates of Howard's car key and remote unlock button. Mike takes up a firing position with his rifle to watch Gus hand Nacho over to Juan and Hector Salamanca when Nacho tells him that he was the one who killed Lalo in league with the Alvarez drug family. Rather than pretend to flee so that Victor can kill him, Nacho uses a piece of broken glass to free himself, his restraints, and then kills himself with Juan's gun. 
Uh, Glenn, what did you think of episode three? Man, that is a great summary of moments that happened in that episode. Right, but misses so much. Yep. Yeah. As I always. Mean, the oil tanker thing. That All by itself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, just him slipping in. Uh, you say it all the time, like how cinematic this show looks. Yes. Yep. So, um, you know, Ozark came back. Mm-hmm. And I haven't finished it yet. I haven't finished the... Uh, I haven't watched the series finale yet. Um, but it's like comparing this to that show. And I don't know if it's because of the lighting, because they kind of give it that like bluish effect. Yes. But man, the show is just so much more like cinematic just as a TV show. And I've been watching Winning Time and it's different because they kind of make it look grainy, but it is just the production value that they have in this show. Um, I can't remember if it was this one. I mean, the next episode that we'll talk about, they did a shot with the closing of the door. And I was like, wow, that was pretty great shot. That was unnecessary, but cool. Um, And uh, yeah, just, Mm -hmm. I mean, that whole sequence of him turn himself in Mike, not wanting to do what he's got to do. And uh, it's just kind of amazing that he goes through all of this just so that, he basically is going to turn himself in to die. Yeah. He's putting all this work in for the same result, Mm -hmm. uh, but just, you know, to protect his father. Yes. Um, I don't even know where to begin because I, I've probably, again, been talking about this show since it began, but this, so I'm sure we've brought this up before, but this is another excellent, like I could see how maybe some people could find, let's just say the beginning, the very beginning of this episode to be like dull or boring, but they really, really, really let just everything breathe. Like the, the tracking shot of like low to the earth, like, You know, you can hear the thunderstorm kind of Mm -hmm. in the background, just slowly panning through like twisted branches and dead everything until it gets to these like, you know, very few blooming flowers um, and then pans up and then just goes to a credit. Then it just goes to the title card like there was nothing there. It was just the well, it also pans down to the broken glass. Right. Um, I and I'm one. I was starting to think, was that, now that I think about it, Glenn, I may be completely missing the point. uh, Was that a flash forward shot of the glass that he used to break the restraints? Because I, for some reason, I thought it was maybe the truck, like glass from the truck or whatever that he was driving. But now that I think about it, it was just that one piece of glass. And I'm wondering if that was like a, just a flash forward thing, which is something they do. On this show, um, you know, there's a there's a thing they do in the the next episode, which, you know, they start with something kind of cryptic and then you're like, oh, what is this? Oh, okay, And you think you might know what it is. And then at the end, they flip things around on you. Um, So this may have actually been a flash forward to, you know, just focusing on that piece of glass. And then we see how that piece of glass gets there. Um, you know, in a, in a weird way that does feel like, I mean, Vince Gilligan didn't direct this episode, but in a weird way that does feel like, you know, 
it is a story about Nacho Varga and how he meets his end, but it's also the story of this this piece of glass, Glenn, and how it got to where it is. Um, like, that's just a, a quirky thing, but uh, I don't know. It's a great thing. He, they frame these things very well. And uh, we totally gloss over the tank. It doesn't even mention, really, the, the tanker in the thing I added that while I was, you know, in the, in the paragraph that I went through, it just says he hides, but that whole, so much tension in that because he hides in the most obvious place. It's, you know, whatever it is, 20, 30 feet from the truck. It's impossible to not notice it. So he knows they're going to come looking for him and the smell of oil and just stagnated and he's coughing and every step he takes just echoes so much. It's like, mm-hmm. they're going to fucking hear him. No way they don't. And it does look like there's oil in there, but the nature of how it's laying, it doesn't look like it's deep, but as he starts walking, uh, it gets deeper and deeper. And I'm like, Oh, okay. Uh, and he just goes underneath for a while and somehow holds his breath under there. Like I'd be dead. I would have just been like, all right, I'm in here. Just, just shoot me. Uh, but no, not him. He manages to escape. And to be honest, he's like everything he goes through in this episode. It's only up into a point where, and he probably, you know, sussed this out, but he didn't really know for sure until a certain point when he's talking with Gus, where he's like, this is the whole point. Wasn't it? Like I wasn't supposed to get out of that place. I was supposed to die in there. Um, so he knows at, he knows at least at that point that it's a matter of I'm going to die anyway. So what can I get out of this? And, you know, he wants to make sure that his father is going to be protected, which, um, you know, heartbreaking that last scene between him and his father and, like in a really real way, not in a, and that's very typical for a, again, a, a Vince Gilligan production. Uh, there was no like real happy moment, right? He didn't even tell his father that he loved him. Uh, he couldn't bring himself to his father and you could kind of see it in their eyes, like waiting for one of the, one or the other to say it, but neither does. And they just sort of leave the, you know, and his dad is like, you know, we've had this discussion before. Just go to the police, son. And he's like, yeah, I know. But, you know, it's too late at that point for any it's of that. It's kind of like uh, Walter and um, Walt Jr. Yes. Like final talk. And whenever he sees them, when they're like in the um, HUD housing. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Uh, just like that. There's, there's no happy ending to this. This is just, no, it. it was just heartbreaking. And sometimes those are real, like, I don't like to think about it, but you know, for a lot of people, their last conversations with a loved one, you know, they're not like, you know, um, they're not like fairy tale written. Although his, his father could hear it in his voice, right? He's like, you sound you sound strange. Like, are you okay? And he's like, I just wanted to hear your voice, which by the way, 
uh, warning signs, everybody, that something is wrong. If somebody calls you and they sound weird and they say they just wanted to hear your voice, that's a warning sign that something bad is happening. Um, but of course, uh, Nacho did not want to tell his father where he was and, you know, he wants to keep him safe. He doesn't want him to get involved in any of this. He secured his safety. And then boy, did he put on a show, uh, for, uh, Hector Salamanca at the end, because Hector was not buying this shit at first. But he also wasn't lying either. Right? No, not so, entirely. Like, everything he said was true to a, to a degree. Yes. Yeah. Well, his feelings behind what he said were true. Yeah. Right. I mean, he lied the, about, he lied the, about Gus being behind anything. Um, yeah. but I mean, he did try to kill Hector. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, with the sugar pills and all that stuff. Um, and I mean, so it did, it did come from a place, but I mean, it came from a place of nacho. Like that's not really the nacho we've come to yeah. like, you know, where he's like, and I would do it again. Like I'd kill everybody. Um, you know, he just wanted to drive the point home. He's like, look, uh, if I got to sell this, then I'm going to sell it the bet. Like he wanted there to be no doubt. And Hector, like I said, didn't believe it at first. He was ringing his little bell and like pointing over at Gus because he fucking knows. And it took, uh, it took everything Nacho could think of, including, you know, mocking Gus and being like, you know, he couldn't do anything like this. Are you kidding me? Chicken man. Chick the chicken man. Yeah. Uh, yeah, like down talking him and stuff and talking himself up and, uh, the end, like when he just, he just shoots himself and then the, the cousins or whatever haul Hector over there and just, he's just there putting bullets into him like six, seven times. And it's like, uh, what a way to end. Like they end on that note. Um, and it's at the house mm -hmm. where we find Hector. There was very little Jimmy and Kim stuff in this episode, but usually this is how they do it, right? You kind of you kind of going back and forth between these worlds a little yeah, bit. Yeah. And you know, the stuff that they did was good, but it really pays off in the next episode, of course. And I can't wait to talk about that. But um yeah any any other thoughts on uh on episode three so after watching this episode i don't know i, I was like was on youtube and i came across like a short um and it was the first time jesse and walter meet jimmy and they have i, I completely forgot about this because it's been so long since we've watched it um but it's like they have him out in the desert and he he says like are you do you guys look work for lalo i had no part of that it was ignacio he is the one who betrayed him mm -hmm. and i was like holy shit i completely forgot about that and that's literally what this whole show is is right that seed yep mm -hmm. you know like damn that's that's incredible yes um Okay, so no, not that they would have pre-planned it or anything like that. <laughs> no, you know, mm -hmm. but just damn good writing. You know, like we've talked with Vince Gilligan before. It's yeah. they kind of work their way out sometimes. Uh, you know. Uh, oh, another thing. This is such a weird. Uh, but look, this is where we are. I think with the show in its final season, because um, we've passed out so many superlatives about performance and story, and I mean, it was great. Um, 
I'm now at the point where I'm just recognizing probably insignificant things, although they don't feel insignificant to me anymore. Like I love how grounded the show feels. We've talked about this a lot, but I now look for um, elements or moments that particularly for some reason resonate with my brain that um, so there's one moment in this and it's just a shout out to the sound design or whoever was capturing the audio. But um, that moment after they get Nacho back uh, to the United States and he sits down with Mike and Mike gives him this meal or whatever that's in like one of those plastic takeout Mm -hmm. trays. And he's sitting there like cutting this piece of chicken and I feel like in other shows, either this would be taken out of the plastic thing and put on a plate, or they would probably remove the squeakiness of the container as he's like cutting through it. Uh, but not on this show. They leave everything in. Like he's just cutting through it and the container is just making this weird, awkward squeak. And there's no other sound. Like no one's talking. There's no background music. So you just hear a knife cutting through chicken and you also hear it like creaking up against the weird, ugly plastic container that it's in. And uh, if you've ever eaten out from someplace and had take like take home or um, if you've ever ordered from someplace that isn't like a fast food chain on like DoorDash or Uber Eats, uh, they will send you your whole meal in like seven of these containers. Uh And I'm very familiar (laughs) with what they sound like. And it's like little elements like that. I feel like other shows might choose to uh, take little things like that and take them out because they sound ugly or um, or whatever. But everything about this show just hits for me on a like this is really happening or this could have really happened. Uh, Something along those lines. Like there are always TV shows that feel to me like. I can suspend my disbelief. Um, And then there are some shows where you have to not really do that at all. And this is easily, I think, the most grounded real show. Uh, If it wasn't for the camera movements and stuff, like you could almost buy the documentary feel of these characters. Everybody feels uh, really real. The only thing that doesn't feel hyper-realistic to me in this show is just how wacky like Jimmy's plots are, but like they're very involved. Um, like the one we're going to talk about is very involved, but uh, those are the only things that don't feel hyper. But it's just believable enough. Yes. Right? Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh no. It's not out of the realm of possibility. I think it's more, I think it's harder to believe that something bad like he doesn't get busted or something doesn't fuck up in the middle of it that he can't fix somehow. But, um, but it's always just believable enough and it's always really entertaining. So, uh, no complaints there. Uh, what would you give episode three? I give it like a four and a half. Mm-hmm. Uh, I went four and three quarters on this one. And, I was tempted to go higher than that. Um, but I didn't because I always feel like it's a, a curse or something to go early 
<laughs> give a five early on in a show uh, when there's, you know, 10 episodes left. Uh, but uh, this is a really this is a really good episode. OK. After that, we got episode four hit and run. Uh, this one directed by Rhea Seahorn. Um, she directed this one. She did good. Um, Kim is meeting with Cliff Maine at a coffee shop when Jimmy disguises himself as Howard and takes his car. He picks up Wendy from a motel and then pretends to force her out of the car while driving past Kim and Cliff, making it appear that Howard is using prostitutes. While dropping off Wendy, Kim notices a car following her. Jimmy discovers that defending Lalo has made him a bit of a pariah at the courthouse, um, but popular amongst local criminals wanting his representation. After being kicked out of the nail salon for attracting high traffic, Jimmy scouts for a new office. While meeting a pro bono client, Kim again spots the car that is following her and confronts the occupants. She then meets, uh, accidentally, uh, not on purpose, but... Uh, runs into Mike at a, well, Mike is doing it on purpose, runs into Mike at a diner, and he reveals to her that the people following her work for him, that Lalo may be alive, and he is monitoring anyone Lalo may contact. A visibly shaken Kim meets with Jimmy at the potential location of his new office and approves of it. Uh, Gus employs a surveillance system from a neighboring home connected to his through a tunnel system where employees under Mike's supervision monitor Albuquerque for signs of Lalo Salamanca. Glenn, what did you think of episode four? Uh, I love the return of a character from Breaking Bad. Yeah, we got a. I thought we got more than one. Am I wrong in thinking that? Or no, maybe I maybe it was in the previews for the next episode that I saw. No, I only the only one I could place was the prostitute. Mhm. Wendy, yeah. Yeah. Um no, it's just the scheme, the bit was hilarious that whole beginning sequence of like, oh, is it Lalo that's spying? Nope, it's just Gus being super paranoid. Yeah, or is it people like like, I couldn't tell if, because they reveal that somebody is following Kim. So I'm like, are they on to, are they on to Jimmy and Kim somehow, these people? And then when we get, uh, then when we get Gus later, I'm like, oh, are they on to him maybe? And then it's like, no, no, these are just people working for Gus. And then I meant like immediately I'm like, oh, okay. Of course, that makes perfect sense. That uh, couple just lives their life. <laughs> that's that's the most amazing thing because that's what we open the episode with is this couple in their track suits, their brightly colored track suits, on their bikes, like signal. I guess you're supposed to signal with your hands if you're on a bike. I don't know anybody who does it, but these people do it in tandem. And, uh, you know, commenting on, you know, the paint color of this house and how the housing committee is not going to like it or they can't believe they approved on it or whatever. And then they just walk into this home and they're just dudes with guns and Kevlar vests and they're just making tea. They're uh, picture and clearly these because at first I'm like, are these undercover agents like who are they? But their pictures are all over the wall in that house and everything. And I'm like. 
by the end, I'm trying to figure like, are these just people Gus paid to just let him do this? Is that what this is? And uh, clearly that must be what it is. Uh, but it's super, it's super bizarre. Um, but totally a total Gus move. Uh, for sure. Uh, Glenn, can we talk about how accurate the, uh, uh, the Howard Hamlin disguise uh, <laughs> was for Jim. He actually, I think he went considering, considering what they were actually doing, which was uh, making him appear as Howard just enough. So from a distance, Cliff might recognize him. Uh, I feel like he went above and beyond. Like he had like the really orangey orangeyish kind of tan going yeah uh every everything the same kind of suit like you know cliff's not gonna notice the suit from way back there um but you know That's jimmy he taste. commits yeah <laughs> you never know really it's the plate uh more than anything but i mean clearly the best moment in this whole episode is the one that was not touched on in this paragraph which is when he goes to return the car, the parking spot that Howard had parked his car in was taken up by another car. And Jimmy thought like, Oh, if I just put a parking cone there, people will not park. And the dude just moved the cone and parked in the parking spot. <laughs> uh, there we got this whole bit of like, who moves a parking cone? Like nobody does that. Um, so uh, rich guys going to therapy do right. And uh, really aren't working out their issues. So he parks in like the buffer space right next to the sidewalk <laughs> and to then ensure that Howard doesn't question anything. He uproots uh, a patient parking sign, which takes a lot of effort and then jams it down in front of the buffer zone. Uh, presumably and presumably it works because Howard just gets in his car, doesn't think twice and pulls out. Although Glenn, uh, it has been a while since I've drove a car, but, uh, I've been in one as recently as today. And I'm sure you've driven very recently as well. I find it impossible that he wouldn't have noticed when pulling out that he was parked in the buffer. Like no way would he have not noticed that that's impossible. Um, I mean, maybe he was looking through his, his, his rear view the whole time. So maybe, maybe that's why he didn't notice, but I just find it impossible. Um, and then we get like a bit of, um, to cap it all off, we get like a bit of comedy. Like as soon as his car's off frame, the sign just falls over. It, it held there just long enough for Jimmy's ruse to work. Um, and, uh, everything from that, like, I like that. I like the whole conversation, that he and Kim had afterwards where they're laughing about it. And, um, you know, Kim is, uh, you know, she's in, I mean, we saw, I mean, we know that she is all the way in now, but I feel like we knew from, you know, in the last episode when she's talking to, um, Erickson, the prosecutor and, you know, she keeps calling him Jimmy and Kim's like, his name is, he's practicing under the name Saul Goodman now. And when she's not willing to, to, to blink on that, she's not going to blink on, on this. And, um, you know, they planted those seeds way back, you know, the first time he joined her in on kind of a con and she got a thrill from it. 
they planted those seeds very well. And, you know, now she's, you know, they're laughing about it and having fun with it. But there are always these little moments where Jimmy will say, and this is always his problem, he will say one thing that sort of screeches the brakes for her mm-hmm. a little bit. And when he sort of jokingly refers to them as, as wicked or whatever, and that's when it sort of hits Kim for a minute. Like, wait a minute, are we the bad guys here? Are we doing bad stuff? And like, yes, uh, clearly. Um, but the more this happens, the, the, like I, we know what happened with Nacho now. He was one of the characters that doesn't, that does not appear in Breaking Bad. You know, what happens? We got the answer. Uh, but Kim is another one and by far the biggest. And I, I don't know, Glenn, I'm really struggling. Like I have a bad feeling the show is going to kill her before it's all over with, but, um, I don't, I don't know. Part of me is thinking, I, like, I, I go through these moments where it's like, there's no way she does Cause she's not in breaking bad. So she probably doesn't survive this show, but, uh, you know, and Saul's a good actor. Um, you know, he's good at pretending or putting his way through things, but you know, how he feels about Kim feels very real. And I don't think that's a show at all. And, you know, I'm pretty sure he loves her. So if something like that happened, he never really played Saul Goodman. Like, you know, there was nothing in Breaking Bad to hint that he had something like that in his past or whatever, or some haunting thing. I mean, maybe... Maybe it's not that, you know, maybe, you know, once he boarded the train with uh, getting in with the Salamanca uh, cartel, you know, maybe there's no getting off it at that point. And Kim dies and it's horrible. And at night when we don't see his character, he's struggling. But, you know, there's no there's no room to stop or get off because if he does, he's dead. So uh, I am utterly fascinated with what happens to her character. So yeah. What, uh, give me, give me your thoughts on, on episode four, but I, uh, I really liked, and she, by the way, she did a lot of work in this episode for somebody who also directed it. Uh, mm-hmm. she had a lot going on as well, but give me, give me your thoughts on episode four. Yeah. Uh, one thing that mentioned, I like the scene with her and Mike. Yeah. You know, he's like, I will answer everything I can. Mm hmm. And then he asks you work for it. He's like, I told you I'll answer everything that I can. can honestly. Mm-hmm. And uh, just how that is so matter of fact. And like, yeah, he had to talk to her because he knows that probably Jimmy couldn't handle it. Yeah. Um, You're made of sterner stuff. Yeah. I don't, I don't necessarily think she dies. I really feel like she takes the fall for something. Mm-hmm. And maybe that's like, Saul's ultimate redemption is going back and facing his demons and time to pay the piper kind of thing. Right. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, presumably that's how the show is going to end. Like on the tail end lead up to breaking bad. And then presumably the show ends, ends with us finding out what happens to future Saul. Right. Um, there's gotta be something. 
There's got to be something there. Part of me is honestly hoping for a happy ending. Uh, like, you know, she had to lay low and, you know, she uh, she's waiting for him somewhere. Uh, there's definitely that romantic in me that's like, we can't split these guys up. Uh, they yeah, are too well, good of a couple. I I know, I know. I've that's, seen that's that's your Disney rot in your brain right there. I know, I know, and uh, I know better from watching this show. <laughs> yeah, I mean, even like, does Jesse get a halfway happy ending? I guess I mean, <laughs> kind of. Yeah, gets to say hey to Bruno and start over, but like I mean, is that? <laughs> yep, that's, that's as kind close. of it, right? That's as close I mean, as we've gotten. Definitely, uh, Skyler and Walt Junior aren't having it. Well, I guess uh, you know, I guess the money that gets funneled to them. Yeah, and they may help. Uh, I mean, they may ultimately find happiness. Uh, you know, after a time of, you know grief and recovery uh <laughs> i think eventually they might find a semblance of a happy life um i yeah i don't know it's it's probably you're right it's probably disney rotting my brain hoping for uh a happy ending between these two but um they're just that's such a good they're such a good team and yeah i more than anything it's not even that it's her character is so yeah. great uh, like part of me thinks like anything less than imagining a world where she just goes on forever is a disservice. Like you don't kill a character like that. Those characters are immortal. I'm sorry, Vince. Uh, you, you keep these characters around forever, please. Um, but, uh, you know, who, who knows, who knows where this is, who, you know, where this will lead. Uh, they did of course find, uh, the place where he will someday open his office and uh, it doesn't look like it's going to look like his office anytime soon, but uh, they did find the location. They so. had to clear that out because, mm-hmm. it, you know, that was kind of the thing is I got to see some of the stuff from the early seasons that, you know, when I went to Albuquerque a few yeah. years ago, Robbie and I saw the the locations, locations like the nail salon. And then, mm-hmm. oh, my gosh, yeah. And he gets the boom of business because everyone thinks he because of representing Salamanca. So it's like everyone at the courthouse hates him, but like all these clientels who are clearly just going to pay because they think he's just going to be able to get them off on everything. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) But yeah, no, that, you know, that is a restaurant and they kept the door is the Mm. better call. is the Saul Goodman attorney at law door. Oh, for real. That's great. For the restaurant. Yeah. So it's like, I'm curious how they did it because it's like, it's an actual restaurant. I don't know how they cleared out the space. I mean, mm-hmm. I don't know if the restaurant's closed since then, but yeah. it was a sports bar for a while. The, uh, I loved the bit at the nail salon as well, where, um, cause yeah. she's clearly mad at him yeah. for all of this. You and come to water for paying customers. He's like, Oh, they'll be paying. All right. I love how he tries to like, you know, for everybody waiting, <laughs> you know, they, they do great manicures and pedicures best in town. Uh, or whatever would answer is it's like, Oh, you know, I'm letting a nail salon rent out this, the, the lobby. lobby space. <laughs> <laughs> so good. Um, yeah but what's funny is like none of those guys are phased like they're no. just like oh, who cares this is the guy like yeah. it's his name at this point right yeah, yeah yeah i mean well and look these are shady people so you know they're yeah. not surprised that he operates right, in a shady row and yeah yeah yeah, yeah. 
Because, you know, remember I told you, like, where that office is, it's, like, just a couple blocks away from Walter's house. Yeah. Um, And the car wash, because car wash is, like, huh. really close to there, too. Nice. So, yeah, for the most part, they all kind of seem to film on one side of town. And then, like, <laughs> yep. the only thing that's an outlier is the Los Poyos uh, oh. is, like, way on the other side of town, like, yeah. on the outskirts next to a a backyard that has an ostrich in it. What? Which I wish they would have showed in the, <laughs> yeah. in the show. Are you kidding? Yeah. 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 No, I mean, it's, I'm dead serious. It's, mm-hmm. it's interesting. Cause like I, I did like when we were there, just like wanting to see shots of how they show, but yeah, they definitely do. Like, they must change the aspect ratio of how they film it because it just seems so squared. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because like on the one side is like, you know, kind of dingy, you know, stuff. And then the others that, this like huge uh, yard with an ostrich in it. (laughs) So it's just like, it's like such an interesting, and you can, you know, see straight down on the other side where like, you know, Mike would sit and, and watch uh, with his car uh, backed up to look inside to the restaurant and stuff. So like, yeah, you know, that stuff, but it is just interesting to see like what they cut out. Mm -hmm. Um, to kind of film that spot. Yeah. And you got Gus dunking really hard on McDonald's uh, in this episode. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, the guy that Mike has working is not up to Los Poyos standards. Uh, <laughs> he's like, you said he had experience as a short order cook, and Mike's like, yeah, two years at a McDonald's, <laughs> which does that count as short order cook? I guess it does. Yeah. Um, but Gus not happy with his, his work quality. Mike's like, all right, I'll find another guy, but we're stretched really thin. Uh, yeah. Uh, I, I don't know what there, what else there is to add to this. Uh, another great episode, another, uh, Kim and Jimmy, uh, I will say wacky. for me, this was the weakest of mm-hmm. all the episodes. Not that it was bad, but no. it was just the weakest. Yeah. Like this, this definitely good setup episode. Yeah. This definitely felt like a good setup episode. Uh, where we are heading towards something, obviously with Lalo and uh, obviously with something with Kim. And it's really making me think it's like, you know, something happens with Lalo and Kim where both of them get eliminated from the show. But Howard. Yeah. And Howard. uh, Well, I mean, Howard, we can, if, you know, their goal is to, depose Howard or whatever. Like, you know, he doesn't need Cocaine to have and Hooker Yes. <laughs> like he doesn't need to have not been in Breaking Bad. Like if he's just not a prominent lawyer because of what they yeah, do, yeah. you know, he doesn't have to be gone gone. He just has to be, you know, ostracized from his uh his his field of work. Uh but yeah, uh good good stuff. Um you know, it was a setup episode, but uh you know, they don't do those things bad either. Those no, are no. those are good episodes as well. By the way, uh, this show is doing like exactly steady. I mean, you know, we've talked about it before. We've talked about it for years that more people should watch this show. <clears throat> but um, their, uh, their overall viewers are like, couldn't be more steady. But, um, you know, it's one of those things where it's like more people like, you know, Three million people should be. Watching I know a this. ton of people that watch it on Netflix. So yeah, I know a ton that are just going to be a season behind. Yeah, they just they just wait for the new one to drop. I mean, that's how I yeah. ended up. 
uh, catching up with Breaking Bad is I watched everything up until whenever the newest season was and then started watching the show. But uh, it wouldn't surprise me that people just sort of, and especially with so much to watch. Um, but yeah, this is... I don't know. It's a, I just want to make sure this show gets its flowers, Glenn. Not that Vince Gilligan needs my help, but um, it's just it's just that good of a show. Uh, people, yeah, need they to better win some go. Emmys this year because it's right. Yes, uh, they yeah they've been nominated quite a bit. Uh, yeah, <laughs> but those are not victories. Uh, this show is definitely. I mean, in its final season, they may get one of those victories. So. I, I, I hope that they do. Uh, any any final thoughts on episode four? And what would you give it? I give it a four. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it really dawned on me, uh, Glenn. And this is breaking news, by the way. Uh, but this whole show is not just a spinoff of Breaking Bad, but it's really Jimmy McGill's Breaking Bad. <laughs> like it's yeah, it's him going through the Walt story but just in his own way uh you know instead of becoming a a drug kingpin uh to you know which started as a way to sort of uh you know say have money for his family or or whatever after after he dies um you know for jimmy it's you know he was a good person who just you know, realized he was good at doing something bad, but didn't want to take that route. Yeah. He wasted his (laughs) talents. Um, and went in, I mean, you know, he went in this direction. He's not wasting them in that sense. Oh no. I said embrace. Oh, embraced his talents. Right. Um, he did just in a, not saying that his talents are positive. But no, he yeah, <laughs> is very good at what he can do, and yes. he embraced it. He he absolutely did. Um, after the system kind of shit on him, right? He felt, you know, he wanted to belong, and yeah. they kind of kept pushing him to the side. And he's like, "I will use my powers for evil," essentially. And uh, you know, uh, we we said it once, we said it a million times. There's a good person in there, but. Uh, he's a little too consumed with, you know, he's, he's a little too impressed with how good he is at what he does. Um, but yeah, uh, I, I gave this episode a four as well. Uh, another good episode in a series of good episodes on a show full of good episodes. And we expect nothing less. I will be stunned one day, Glenn, they've still got a few episodes left. Uh, maybe one day we will get a bad episode of this show, but I'm not counting on it anytime I soon. I hope not. Watch it be the finale. I mean, I <laughs> oh, no. I, I mean, that, those are always the hardest to do, right, is a finale. So, um, you know, maybe that's why Vince always takes the second to last episode <laughs> instead of the last episode. The The last one is always the hardest one to to satisfy people with. So, yeah. But we're not there yet. In fact, we're not even halfway there. Um we still got uh, quite a bit of ground to cover as it's early May and uh, the show is going to be running until August. Well, there's going to be a break, but um, a couple month break, but the show is going to be running until August. So we're going to be around for a while. So in the meantime, everybody, you can head on over to cinemageekly.com where you can check out the archives of the show. And of course, this is a listener supported podcast and there are a couple of different ways uh, you can help out there if you want. 
We have a Patreon, patreon.com slash cinemageekly. We have the merch store, geeklymerch.com. Links for those are in the show notes for this episode. And of course, you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and Audible. Just search for Better Talk Saul and hit subscribe. And that way you can join us uh, next time to hear us talk about more Saul Season 6, Episode 5, called Black and Blue. Black and Blue.